This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 623 This episode was pre-recorded. Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Let's all take our seats. It's Crisis 314, Identity Crisis. This is how I got my wife to read comics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, and you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. We're taping this in advance as we explore the history of DC's crossover events. After 2001's Our Worlds at War, Episode 608 and 617, DC pivoted for a while to events within specific heroes' titles. Bruce Wayne Fugitive, A World Without Young Justice, until 2004, and Identity Crisis. The main seven-issue book generated a number of tie-in issues throughout the DCU. The event broke new ground in multiple ways. Instead of assigning this to an existing comic writer, it went to Brad Meltzer, better known for his thriller novels. He had already written a Green Arrow arc, but this was a major assignment. It also broke new ground in taking classic comic stories and retconning them to better fit the modern era, something that is standard operating procedure today. The book took DC in a dark direction, which some would argue they are still in. Identity Crisis Number 1, written by Brad Meltzer, penciled by Rags Morales, inked by Michael Baer, colored by Alex Sinclair, lettered by Kenny Lopez, assistant editor Valerie D'Orazio, and editor Mike Carlin. We begin in Opal City. Ralph, elongated man Dibney, and Firehawk are on a stakeout, watching a mysterious box and waiting to see who's going to nab it. Ralph is there to keep an eye on the young heroine. We get some narration from Ralph. He left the league after so many funerals. Firehawk notes how dour Ralph is. I thought this was fun for you. Fun? You're thinking of Plastic Man. Cut to Smallville. Clark is having a meal with Ma and Pa. He returns an envelope with their check for a Daily Planet subscription. When he says he can get them comped, Ma is mad that he peeped inside the envelope. I bet Batman never does this to his parents. Clark's league's beeper goes off. It's an emergency. We cut to Gotham. Dick is visiting his parents' grave on their anniversary, and Corey joins him. He also gets a message on his beeper. Star City. Ollie and Connor are sparring. They start to get ready for Sue Dibney's annual surprise party for Ralph. This year, she's got me jumping out of the cake at the end when they get the call. Back to Opal. Firehawk gets Ralph to talk about how he and Sue met. It was at a fancy party, and Barry came to get Ralph out of there. Sue only saw Ralph, despite how much of a celebrity the Flash was in Central City. He knows the surprise party is coming. That's why Sue made him go on patrol. He acts surprised every year. But back to the mysterious box. 
Bolt, a Z-list baddie, is being given direction over the phone by the calculator. There are two thugs he's there to stop. They have a long conversation. Back to Ralph's story. Isn't Sue a potential target? That's why she lived in JLI embassies all those years, and their current apartment has security tech from Thanagarians, Martians, and Kryptonians, plus some mother box stuff. Cut to Sue, who's on the phone, thanking Alfred for tracking down a present, a magnifying glass. She hears a sound downstairs. But now Bolt appears in front of the thugs. They plug him full of holes, and the heroes respond. As this happens, Ralph hears a call for help from Sue. Ralph demands that Firehawk fly him home, despite how it will burn him. Oh, and there was a LexCorp battle suit in the box. Bolt begs the thugs to call an ambulance. Ralph makes it home and finds a shambles along with a deceased and burned wife, who we learn was pregnant. Sue Dearborn Dibney, wife of elongated man, 1961 to 2004. Rest in peace. Tim Drake returns to his dad's apartment, and they hear the news on TV. Black Lightning and Katana are having drinks together, and he ignores a pager message. Ray, the Adam Palmer, arrives at his ex-wife Jean's apartment via telephone. Now, I have to explain this, because this becomes important. In the Silver Age, the Adam could travel from place to place at telephonic speed, and what he'd do is he would become small enough to be able to ride the electrons through the phone network. Mm -hmm. So he could call a phone number, jump into the phone, and end up on the other phone on the other end. Yeah. So he's there to sign papers returning his patents back to him. Uh, She's doing that to prove she's independent when he gets the news. It should be noted that Gene Loring was temporarily driven insane in a 1969 story, which eventually led to the divorce. She also had an affair while Ray was off in a micro-world for a few years. Ollie arrives at Ralph's apartment. Bruce has already made a sweep, and he brought in another team, Mr. Miracle, Adam, the Ray, the Metal Men, and Animal Man, all with different viewpoints. Cut to the funeral, and a double-page spread of Heroes and Allies, along with Ollie's description. Diana gives the eulogy, and through Ollie's thoughts, we learn that the killer somehow evaded all the tech and severely burned the body, leaving multiple suspects. Ralph attempts to say something, but he breaks down at the altar. Teams are quickly sent out to track down suspects, but Ollie knows they are all wrong. JLA members meet Ralph in the chapel, Hawkman, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Adam, and Zatanna. Come on, Z, we all know who did this. We never put it in the League archives, but we were all there. Help me find Dr. Light. Identity Crisis Number 2 by the same creative team. We begin in Ivytown. Ray has come back to check on Jean, giving her a Thanagarian crossbow to defend herself. And I'm just going to interject, implying that he left a lot of his things there. True. When they divorced. Mm -hmm. But back to the chapel. Ollie's thoughts. It's no different from the old days. Dinah and I go at it. Z plays nurse and Carter barks orders. Carter sees Wally vibrating invisibly and Ollie bluffs Kyle into also appearing. Apparently, the five heroes were the only ones not assigned to round up suspects. Wally demands to know why. Dinah says the newer members are now grown up and need to know. We flash back to the JLA satellite era. The heroes are planet-side, giving Dr. Light the chance to sneak in. At this time, Dr. Light was a true JLA-level supervillain, 
Why was he there? Sabotage? Get his old light gun out of the trophy room? No, he was there for Sue Dibney. Since he couldn't beat the league, he would beat her. She had alerted the league, but it was too late. He didn't just beat her, he raped her. I'll find her again, you know, and then I'll find all of yours. They beat the crap out of him and get Sue to a hospital. Cut to current day and the JLA team looking for Dr. Light. Wally says, I fought Light a dozen times in the Titans. He was always... Ollie says, a moron. Well, yeah, he wasn't always that way. Back to the tragedy at the satellite. Light continues to boast he will find their significant others. Satana says, Pusa, and Light falls asleep, forgetting the event. The team then debates if forgetting is enough. You're willing to let him go after Carol or Jean or Dinah? I can take care of myself, Dinah says. I'm not saying we take his mind from him. Maybe Satana can just, I don't know, clean him up a bit. It comes down to Barry as the deciding vote. We cut to the satellite today, now abandoned, with villains hiding out there. Merlin hears that Bolt was severely injured. Good. More work for us. The League know they are up there, but wiretaps don't work. And there are appearances by Mirror Master, Deadshot, Deathstroke, Monocle, Kronos, Shadow Thief, Phobia, Dr. Moon, Captain Boomerang. Dr. Light appears begging for help. We cut back to the current JLAers. Wally can't believe Barry sanctioned what happened before learning this happened six months after Iris died, which means the rape happened almost directly before Crisis on Infinite Earths. Satana explains that the plan was not to lobotomize Light, but she had never tried to do such a thing before. Cut to a shot of Dr. Light being dragged away after the Titans easily beat him. No more teens with capes, okay? I thought this guy was supposed to be tough. But now Light has returned to his hideout. They go to arrest him. Kyle can't believe what Satana did. Even if it was the only time you guys mess with someone's head. What makes you think it was the only time? They go to confront Light, only to find Deathstroke defending him, with Ralph unspooled on the ground. Meanwhile, at the JSA HQ, Dr. Midnight has completed Sue's autopsy. He needs Oracle to find Ralph. If she had died the way they thought, her lungs would be full of soot, but they are not. She was already dead before she was burned. Sue Dibney wasn't killed by Dr. Light. Identity Crisis number three by the same creative team. The first several pages involve the fight between Deathstroke and the Leaguers. The assassin manages to take them down before Ollie jams an arrow into his eye socket, throwing Slade off his game and allowing the team to wrestle him to the ground. Unfortunately, the tableau reminds Dr. Light of the events at the satellite. You took my mind. There's a flash and Light and Deathstroke escape. When they awaken, the team sees Superman in front of them. He wants an explanation. While he tries to explain it away, saying that Ralph deserved to bring Light in, Superman does some exposition off-panel, explaining Dr. Midnight's autopsy. Away from the group, Ollie thanks Wally for the excuse he gave, but Wally demands to know how many more were there. Cut to a Daily Planet headline, Switcheroo! This part of the story is based on a Bronze Age JLA tale, JLA Volume 1, number 167 to 168, 1979, comics I happen to have. In it, five supervillains got hold of a mysterious gem that allowed them to do a Freaky Friday bit on five JLA members switching their minds and bodies. While the heroes managed to save the day, the story had a huge plot hole. 
If you took over a hero's body, wouldn't you immediately take off the mask and find out their secret identity? And this was kind of hand-waved away. Either they didn't have time, or the villains at that time still had morals. This retcon assumes they did take off the masks. There's also another retcon. The original story had Wonder Woman involved, but this story substituted Black Canary because that was how continuity worked at that time. Wonder Woman wasn't around for the forming of the JLA. Ollie explains that Dinah had just lost Larry Drake, Satana had just lost her mother, Cindella, and Barry had just lost Iris, which makes it unclear when this event happened. Because the Dinah losing Larry Drake happened in like the late 60s. Yeah. And and Iris was killed in like 82, 83. Yeah. So anyways, they agreed to have Zaytano wipe the villains' memories of their identities to protect their loved ones. You think Brainwave just forgot who Barry was? You think Dr. Destiny forgot the time he invaded our dreams? It didn't happen by itself. We made it happen. But Dr. Light was the last straw, and a fight ensued. Clark, Bruce, Arthur, they never knew. People aren't stupid, Wally. They believe what they want to believe, and they hear what they want to hear. And we cut to Clark only a few feet away over to Gotham and the calculator on the phone with Merlin. He's paying off a bet that Light and Deathstroke would get away. Kronos said they would, and he sees the future, but he's so smug. There's a call from Digger, and we see a National Enquirer headline that Boomerang had a love child with Golden Glider. Other headlines? Adam Strange returns to Earth for secret Utah wife. Lazarus Pit photos before and after. Calculator is now the only one who will hire Boomerang for a job. Digger, be serious. You're not exactly in your prime anymore. A young man walks up to Digger's car, telling him he can't park there. Also in Gotham, Tim Drake returns to his father's apartment after a night on duty. Jack Drake has just learned about Tim's nocturnal activities, and Tim doesn't want to worry his dad any more than he has to. Jack and the country is watching coverage of the aftermath of Sue Dibney's death question remains is this an isolated incident has a former foe come back for revenge and most important are others close to the league safe at the daily planet perry is waiting in the dark room for jimmy's photos of the funeral they talk about whether they might be in danger in ivy town jean is being attacked in her apartment and after a struggle she's hung by her front door (laughs) who killed sue dibney Has Gene Loring been added to the killer's victims? What other secrets are the JLA hiding? Tune in for our next Crisis episode. (laughs) Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at Facebook.com slash SFPPN. Check out Instagram at SFPodNetwork. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.